This is Lessons in Leadership. I'm Steve Adubato with the lovely and talented, what is it, a game show? Uh, Mary Gamba in the uh, dark blue background. Mary, you, you have matched your gorgeous top to the gorgeous background you have. What's up with that? I'm trying, I'm trying, and I'm debating. I could always switch to get to your lightness and darkness, but I want people watching to know that we are not in the same studio. We're each no, in we're our not. own remote studios. And it's just a pleasure to be with you today, Steve, as always. Yes, we, we have a mind meld going on, but we are not in the same location, but we feel, uh, we're taping at this end of, this is at the end of 2021. How many times have we actually seen each other in person in 19 months? Uh, twice. Two oh. times in person. Okay, that's right. Yeah, it was twice. That's I right. dropped something yes. off at your house and then at your son's graduation party. So I can count yeah. it on two fingers. And I'll tell you, I have not seen in person in a long time, but we're honored to have her with us, is the great Patricia Stark. Patricia, how are you doing? I am doing wonderful. And I wish I could be in person with the both of you, but I'm very happy to see you uh, regardless. So happy to be here. Absolutely. Hey, Mary, put up your book while I put up mine. What? I was going to put up. Oh, here it is. Yeah, Mary, we can do this. Even though I, know. I thought you meant my book. I'm like, I wrote a book. No, but this <laughs> is, if you don't have it, go out and get it. And we'll put up information on the bottom of the screen where viewers can learn more. Confidence, uh, written by Patricia Stark. How to trust yourself, tame your inner critic, and shine in any light. This is awesome. I'm so proud of you. Patricia and I go back a long way. Work together. A colleague's been friends for a long time. This book is the culmination of an awful lot of hard work and making a difference in the lives of others, coaching them, teaching them, and being a great broadcaster yourself. Talk about it, Pat. Oh, well, thank you so much. And I love that you both uh, held it up and that you you got the book and, and I hope that you liked it. It really was probably the longest birth giving process I've ever gone through. Uh, you know, when you hear about people writing books and it takes time, there is a long process and especially when you can't focus on it uh, full time. But it's had several incarnations along the way to where it finally became confidence. And it's really a hybrid between uh, personal growth and professional development. And I can go into a little bit how that came to be. Yeah, let's talk about that right out of the box. Mary and I, as you know, with our company, Stand and Deliver, we're big believers in that our job when we're leading a seminar or doing coaching is to help people find that inner confidence when someone says, I, I don't like speaking in front of other people on Zoom, could you not put me on camera? I just wanna be on audio, which is, you know, that, that's been going on. Much less someone going into a media situation. What do you believe and how, what have you found in your coaching that the key to helping people tap into this confidence, what is it and B, what the heck does that have to do with being calm inside? Sure. So the. The theme that kept coming up for all of my clients and students over the years was that everyone obviously wants to feel confident and appear confident when they are in the spotlight. And whatever that spotlight may be, we're in different spotlights in our personal life and our professional life every day. But what they also wanted to find was a sense of calm because you can be confident, you can be very expert and sure-footed at what you do, but you can still experience stress and anxiety, especially when you're not in your comfort zone or you're putting a high price on a situation. So that's how the book ended up becoming the hybrid of those two words because it was really what everyone was seeking. And it's not a mellow, low energy calm. It's a calm where there's this mm. inner sense of, I trust myself. I've got this. You know, you're in good hands with yourself so that others can feel they're in good hands with you. 
Well said. And Mary has built tremendous confidence over the 21 years we've been together. So I know she's been wanting to talk to you about this. Go ahead, Mary. Yeah, I sure have. I know many people watching this have a huge fear of speaking in public. That was me 20 years ago when I first started talking with Steve. I would have an actual physical reaction. My neck would get red. My palms would get sweaty. What is one tip, whether it's breathing, whatever it may be, that you can give to people watching who even have a hard time speaking in front of a small group, let alone hundreds? What is one tip to really just zeroing in and getting that confidence that you're talking about? Sure. Well, you're speaking to a reformed, terrified public speaker, and I very well know that outer body experience and the sweat pouring down the sides of your body and blanking out and that heart rate pounding a mile a minute. So I've been there, done that, still happens sometimes depending on the price of the situation or if it's something that is just not my comfort zone. And I think first and foremost to realize that this is the thing that connects all of us that makes us human. And it is such a common fear that we need to understand that it's okay because so many people say, I shouldn't be nervous. They get upset that they're nervous. They get angry and disappointed with themselves that they're feeling this way. And it's just beating yourself up and making things worse. So the one single thing you mentioned breathing certainly is you need to get in touch with what kind of physical reaction am I having? Because if you're having a physical reaction, there is no way that you're gonna be able to think straight or speak well or any of those things. So absolutely taking in that big breath, holding it and then releasing that. But what I like to add to that is what are you saying to yourself as you're breathing in and as you're exhaling? So I might say breathing in calm and confidence and hold it and then slowly or more slowly breathe out stress and anxiety or whatever it is that you're worried about because getting your breathing under control will get your heart rate under control so that you can think somewhat straighter. But beyond that, it's also what is the story that we're telling ourselves and what are we visualizing? Because usually when that's happening, we're visualizing things going bad. We're, we've got this whole idea in our head of I'm going to screw up. I'm going to say the wrong thing. I'm going to black, blank out. So what have we been kind of laying the groundwork for prior to that moment when we start having that physical reaction? So it really starts prior to getting to that situation. Let's, Mary, stay on this, uh, this issue of self-talk, right? Mary and I have talked about this for years. Now, I'm curious about this with your work, Patricia, teaching, coaching your clients every day. And again, Patricia's website will be up. I have found that um, by telling people will say, oh, that's what you do. You're, you're a public speaker and blah, 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 blah. And I'm not saying that I think I'm particularly good. That's not the point. They think that somehow you're just there and that's what you do. You like to t talk in front of people. You like all the attention. So you're confident in that way. And I realized that I needed to share with people and I'll keep this tight, my own fear and anxiety to the point where, and I told this story a million times, Mary, I'm sorry you've heard it so many times. I was in Las Vegas, right, Mary? Yes. And this is unfortunately one of those cases where what happened in Vegas did not stay in Vegas. But I was, <laughs> there, to I was there to interview, um, George Bush, the father, the late, great George Bush. And I was hired by a firm. We got a nice fee to do this. Mary worked it out with the agency. And long story short is when I went to go interview the president uh, in front of a very large five, 6,000 crowd, they played hail to the chief. It was obviously not for me. It was for the president. And here's what I told myself, Patricia. 
you're an imposter. You don't belong here. This is a bigger stage than you're supposed to be on. And as the applause died down and the Secret Service men and women were standing around the stage, I realized I was claustrophobic, couldn't get off the stage. And President Bush looked at me like, what is wrong with you? And I had a full-blown panic attack in front of all those people. Point of the story. I felt the need to write about it. Mary, I wrote about it in one of my books. You sure did. And I've shared it with my clients. My reason for doing that is to help them understand that, yeah, you're not alone. Do you share your own stuff, Patricia? Oh, I absolutely do. And I do in the book, which was really you know, a vulnerable feeling, but I think that it also adds to credibility and trust. People want to know that you know what it feels like and they want to know that you're human. And your story just reminded me of something interesting that I just happened to notice when watching a movie with my husband. It was Iron Man and Iron Man had a full blown panic attack in one of these scenes. And I looked at my husband and I said, this is such a great message because even a superhero <laughs> is human. And it's so important for people to see that no one is Iron Man all the time. And it's just something that when we get in our head and we start to feel like something is a different level than we are used to, these things can happen. and the best thing to do is to share them and to not carry them around like luggage and to grow for them and from them and to have this growth mindset. You know what? We've been doing this a long time, but I still hope to grow and become a better person and a better communicator when I'm in my 70s, 80s, 90s and, and beyond. So if we're always striving to be perfect, there is absolutely no room for a growth mindset, which is going to get in our way all the time. And I think that it's also what you said. It's it's what am I listening to? Am I listening to my inner coach or am I going to choose to listen, listen to my inner critic? I mean, am I listening to my inner critic or am I going to choose to listen to my inner coach? Like that devil angel kind of thing? Yep. Because our inner critic is the one that talks to us. It's the scared us in the back of our mind saying, you're an imposter. This is beyond you. This is above your pay scale. This is that. But your inner coach has to step in and say, no, you've got this. Instead of worrying about and do I belong here? I'll try to start talking to myself and say, no, you're here to be of service. You're here to give value. You're here to help people. You're here to help someone else shine yeah. their light in the spotlight, depending on what my role is. So that's something that I find can really counteract that moment of panic and hopefully get to it before it becomes such a bad downward spiral yeah. that we lose control. But to be like, you know, you know, smack yourself like in the uh, Moonstruck movie with Cher and be like, you know. Snap out of it. Snap out of it and be like, guess what? It's not about you. It's not, stop it making it be about you. Remember that you're here to be of service. There it and is. Other people and that usually grounds me and it's worked for a lot of my clients. Hey, hey Mary, real quick, as Patricia's talking about this, you know our, our discussion about what I call the fork in the road, Mary. Yes. When you're getting, you have to go speak in public or you're in a situation, mm -hmm. you get to the fork in the road. Do, do you know the two roads, Mary? I'm putting yeah, you on the, the spot. one road is just going to be, it's not gonna be successful and I'm gonna be negative downward thinking. And the other one is positive thinking. It's gonna be successful. So you need to reframe your mind and take the, you know, see the fork in the road and take it. And the road to the right, that Mary's mm -hmm. talking about. This road, the road to the left, is fear, panic, anxiety. What am I doing here? I'm an imposter. I'm out yeah. of my league, whatever. This road is, as Patricia just said, it's funny how people talk about the same thing differently. This road is, I'm here to be of service. I'm here to be helpful. I can make a difference. It's not about me. It's about what I can add to them. 
Mary, that's helped you tremendously because you help other people as opposed to how do I look? How do I sound? What yeah. am I doing? Am I sweating? Can they see it? Exactly. Go ahead, Mary. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I have something of value and I want to share it. And more importantly, as Steve and I always talk about, we're having a conversation. It's not a presentation. It's a conversation. And once you approach it from that direction, the rest falls right into place. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Mary, I'm going to give you one more quick one with uh, Patricia. And then I want to follow up on the greatest satisfaction of coaching and helping other people. Mary, go. Yeah, definitely. So where does your confidence come from? I was just very curious about that. Uh, Steve and I often talk about, is it something you're born with? Is it something you learn? From reading your book, I believe what you're saying is it is something that can be trained, but where does your confidence come from? Yes, it's definitely been a long journey. It's definitely been uh, getting knocked down and getting back up and learning how to uh, take some time to regroup and then be able to reemerge with force. It's, it's maturity. It's, it's growing and, do, and having that growth mindset, I think. And I, and I think that what it comes really the, at the core of that inner place is this stillness and this calm, silent place where... I like myself and I know that I'm a good person and I know that my intentions are good. And I know that it's my, my calling and my passion. And I consider it a sacred thing to be able to help others to communicate confidently, to reach their goals, to also think positive thoughts. So I think that it comes from that, that inner thread of, you know what, I know that at the core of things, that my intentions are good and that I am here to try to be of service. And that seems to be at the foundation of my personal life and my professional life. That is Patricia Stark. She answered my question about the, the importance and the greatest satisfaction of making a difference in the lives of others. The book is called Confidence. It is written by Patricia Stark. How to trust yourself, tame your inner critic and shine in any spotlight. Patricia, congratulations, we're proud of you. Uh, Mary, let's make sure we use this segment and also in our leadership and communication seminars. Uh, this will be very helpful because what Patricia just shared isn't just for our audience on lessons in leadership. We'll share it with others. Thank you, Patricia. All the best. Thank you both very much. I really appreciate it. Steve, Mary, Patricia, we'll be right back right after this. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is made possible by the Bucino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, Prager Metis, Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, the North Ward Center, the New Jersey Sharing Network, Delta Dental of New Jersey, Kessler Foundation, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com, NJBIA, and New Jersey Business Magazine, CIANJ, and Commerce Magazine. Valley's all about making life easier for clients, and that's why we're all about smiles, too. So every day, we make it possible for home buyers to become homeowners. For folks chasing their dreams to become entrepreneurs. For parents to plan today for their children's tomorrow. And for communities to get better every day. You see, when we know we've put a smile on a customer's face, well, that puts one on ours, too. Lessons in Leadership is honored to be joined by 
James Crawford, uh, president of Felician University. Good to have you, Mr. President. It's great to be here, Steve. Thank you so much for uh, having us with you today. You got it. By way of background, Mary, I want to make sure everyone knows that uh, um, Jim Crawford is a former vice admiral in the Navy. And he also was appointed by President Barack Obama as the 43rd Judge Advocate General, served as legal counsel to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. It is an honor to have you with us, and we thank you so much for your service, Jim. Well, I thank you. It's just a great privilege, and I'm honored to be the sixth president of uh, Felician University. We've got a for wonderful the, group of folks here. For those who don't know Felician, please describe it. Well, Felician is a uh, Catholic Franciscan university founded by the Felician sisters, and uh, their charism is built upon uh, five principles of consolidarity uh, with the poor, uh, compassion, transformation, justice and peace, and all that is, uh, we use all that to develop not just the minds of our students, but their minds and their hearts so that we can send them out into the world to make their communities and the place where they work and live a better place. You are a servant leader. You've served in the military. You serve now at Felician. Your definition of servant leadership, please describe it, Jim. Well, I was blessed to be uh, trained and groomed by some wonderful women and men. And I would say that the best lesson and many of many lessons that I received from them is that was best articulated by the leadership commentator, John Maxwell, who said, leadership is about people and for people. And if you base your leadership behaviors on those two principles, you give yourself an opportunity to be an effective leader. Yeah, the great John Maxwell, he's part of our leadership library, Mary. We'll remind folks that we're always evolving with our lessons in leadership. And when you see our website, stand-deliver.com, uh, Maxwell is a big part of our leadership library because he has so many great books. Mary, jump in. Yeah, definitely. And I, I would love to just pivot a little bit. I know higher ed, especially uh, by the time we're taping right now in November of 2021, this will air and repeat in early 2022. What were some of the greatest challenges that you faced in higher ed throughout the last almost two years of the pandemic? And how did you react and adapt and pivot to those challenges? Well, obviously, um, the last 18 months or so have been different from anything that we have encountered before. And I think you have to step back just away from higher ed. It's been unprecedented change across virtually every domain, including higher ed. Uh, so what I would suggest, however, is COVID was not the catalyst. COVID was a product. We were living in an accelerated world well before COVID. And Thomas Friedman, I'm sure you're familiar with the writer and author Thomas Friedman talks about that we live in an age of acceleration. And so if we believe we live in an age of acceleration, then we have to be prepared to deal with constant unrelenting change that makes it a more, a less predictable future. And that's what we're focused on here, being adaptable, agile, to act with greater alacrity. How much of that ability to adapt, be agile, and pivot comes from your military leadership training? Uh, it's a blessing. Uh, frankly, uh, obviously, there isn't a real direct connection from the roles I served in in the military to being the president of a university. But what, when you have the opportunity to serve in roles of significant leadership and responsibility, it gives you the ability to develop a reservoir of knowledge, 
of experiences and confidence that you're able to apply here at Felician. Uh, and so what I've said to our teams is that, that, and I would say that greatest lesson that I would bring forth is that you can't know it all, right? Um, <laughs> it's impossible to know it all. You should not endeavor to know it all because then it makes it all about you. But what I have to be is a constant learner uh, to be relevant to our mission and to our people. And to do that, you have to be able to reach out and tap and leverage every ability, every aspect of talent, capacity, and capability. And you have to be a cultivator of talent, capacity, and capability that's all around you to make your, as your people get better, as I get better, we're better able to deliver on the mission of Felician University. Well said. Mary, your ball again. Yeah, thanks so much. And talk a little bit, uh, President, about the young adults at Felician University. What are some of the greatest attributes, the traits that going out into the world in order to empower our young adults today? Everyone talks about, oh, the millennial this, the millennial that. But I really feel like we need to empower them to be the leaders of tomorrow. What is the one leadership trait that you think is most important for these young adults um, that are going out into the world? First, I will say we've got the greatest uh, young women and men anywhere around. Uh, I love these. I love being here. Uh, it's wonderful. And I would say what we attempt to do, you have to be focused more, not just on the substantive learning. Obviously, that's important. We need to send them out with valuable skills that enable them to be contact and impact players immediately upon arriving at their places of employment and, and career uh, endeavor. Uh, but we want to develop their flourish, have them flourish fully in their humanity. So educate them in their mind, body, and spirit. Uh, so I would say humility is really the most significant thing and the ability to recognize when you're humble, again, you don't make it about yourself. You look through the lens of those who you are working with, those you are trying to aid, and it tends to develop a compassion in you. So when you have to make difficult decisions, you have the ability to understand the impact of those decisions and how best to apply them in a way that is consistent with your values and your principles. And just you know, one uh, quick, oh, go ahead, sure, Steve, I'm sorry. No, no, I was just gonna say one quick follow-up that Steve and I do really talk about is you had talked about making those difficult decisions. What about when those difficult decisions are not popular? Uh, Steve <laughs> talks a lot about the late, great Colin Powell. Wait a minute, hold on, just, Mary. We do share a mind because I was I know that's where going, you're going, but I wanted to go there first. <laughs> I was thinking military <laughs> leadership and go ahead, don't go, go, Mary. Uh, no, I know, I know. No, you go ahead, Steve. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll toss it back to you. It's no. like what, what you could go backward on the field as long as you don't have forward movement, and then I can throw it back to you. I know how I that works. It. Yeah, President Crawford, this, this is where Mary was going with it. And again, we do share our mind when it comes to these things, even though she disagrees that a lot of my leadership decisions and doesn't hold back and share with me, which is another blessing I have. That being said, I wrote about uh, General Powell. I interviewed him in 1992. I'm not sure the year, 1999, I think it was. And he told me about his view of leadership. And then I, I've written about him in, in a new book we have coming out. There's a major chapter on him. And why do I share this with you? Because there's a huge section in, that I write about, and many others do as well, that when General Powell gave the speech at the United Nations about weapons of mass destruction in Iraq, and then later on said, whoa, that was the justification for us going to war. We were wrong. I was wrong. I take full responsibility. The, in, the quote that he had is, I regret it. I will regret it for the rest of my life. Question. I have argued that humility, that ability to say, that's on me, and own it, is a great leadership quality. You say, President Crawford? 
Absolutely. You know, I, I, went, I spoke about the, uh, the care I was given as a young officer, and I would, I, would, I would point to three particular characteristics, starting with humility. Because humility, if your leader uh, embraces humility, you probably take out the most potent shield against the leader's deadliest enemy, and that is ego and being captured by the, by the perceived brilliance of in the echo chamber of your own brilliance, uh, because then it's about you. Uh, and it's never about you. It's about the mission and about your people. Secondly, it's about modeling accountability, messaging, messaging accountability, and having the courage to take accountable actions with compassion. And thirdly, uh, being authentic. Because in the heat of battle, if you will, it doesn't matter what the endeavor is. The truth about who you are will come out in that heat. And if that truth is not in your behaviors, it's not consistent with the preaching you've been giving to your team, mm. then you will be the least effective at the point in time when you need to be the most effective. And I think those are the lessons that I think General uh, Powell taught us about humility, accountability, authenticity, and, and, and being compassionate in what you do. It is so, unfortunately, so rare Mary, you've got a minute left, um, and, and that's why I'm not going to get on my soapbox, but when people are critical of General Powell and say he lied at the United Nations, I say, okay, so I want to be clear. He made a serious mistake. Lives were lost. He owned it. He regretted it. You tell me how many people in public life or in corporate life do that. That's the exception, not the rule. Mary, minute left, go. Yeah, no, and again, uh, we definitely have a mind melt going on. I was going to ask the president, why exactly is it so hard for a leader to simply say, I made a mistake? I love when somebody does that. I love when Steve calls me up and say, says, you want to know what, Mary? No, I made a mistake. You know, I... I, I that hap that happened last night. By the way, that happened last night. I literally, <laughs> or this morning, I said, call Mary. Mary didn't handle that well. Bad, my bad, I own it. Yep. And it was so great because then just move on, right? If not the person sitting there harboring it and then you have a bad day. But why is it so hard, President, for people to just own their mistakes? I've said this a couple of different times because you're making it about you. And my dad told me long ago as an athlete when I was learning to play basketball, it's not about you. It's about stepping onto that floor and delivering for your team mm -hmm. and working hard to be at your best when your best is needed. And that means being able to accept criticism and owning up to the mistakes because you learn more from your mistakes and failures than you do from your successes. Uh, and, and if I could say this, I love the quote by Maya Angelou where she says, you will face many defeats, but you must never be defeated. And in fact, from those defeats, you will learn from the depths from which you can get up and rise from. And so as long as you understand that we are all imperfect vessels and we are evolving, it's okay to accept the fact that you've made an error, and then your, your team will have greater confidence in you uh, as you move forward. Uh, President Crawford, it's not about trying to be perfect. It's about trying to grow every day, is it not? It's about progress, oh, progress over perfection? It's about being appreciative of the opportunity to endeavor to become better each day with each encounter with each person. Sounds so simple. But so difficult. Oh my God. I, I, I'm thinking about so many, I'm, I'm a big sports fan and um, I think about how many athletes make mistakes and blame others, point the finger, 
make themselves the victim, make it about them. Um, and it's the opposite of everything that President Crawford has just shared. Hey, listen, I'm off my soapbox, but more importantly, you learned a lot from the president of Felicia University, um, James Crawford. I want to thank you again. President Crawford, I want to thank uh, my good friend and colleague, co-anchor of Lessons Leadership, Mary Gamba. Uh, looking forward to having you again, Jim. All the best. Thanks so much. Take care. All the best to you and Mary. You got it. This has been Lessons in Leadership. We thank you so much for watching. We'll see you next time. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is made possible by the Bucino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, Prager Metis, Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, the North Ward Center, the New Jersey Sharing Network, Delta Dental of New Jersey, Kessler Foundation, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com, NJBIA, and New Jersey Business Magazine, CIANJ, and Commerce Magazine. Valley's all about making life easier for clients. And that's why we're all about smiles, too. So every day, we make it possible for home buyers to become homeowners. For folks chasing their dreams to become entrepreneurs. For parents to plan today for their children's tomorrow. And for communities to get better every day. You see, when we know we've put a smile on a customer's face, well, that puts one on ours, too.